Welcome to the Difference Bill Notebook. My name is Anna Anselma and I am your host. If this is your first time joining us, the Difference Bill Notebook is a podcast that discusses simply smart equipping on social emotional learning for parents and educators. And why is social emotional learning so important? Well, it's what keeps us living a healthy, happy, and productive life. It's the skills that we need to survive, to self-manage, and just be balanced. So it's um, a highly important skill set. Today, I, I wanted to start out with a story. We've had a series that we've been discussing, which is Knowing Our Needs, and it's the Power Series. We've called it on the podcast because it's helping your child find their power and their voice. And we are discussing self-awareness and self-care and um, most importantly, self-advocacy, which is our, your knowing your needs and how to meet your needs and how to get what you need through communication um, and asking and pursuing to meet those needs. So I wanted to start with a story um, because as I was writing this article too, that's on our blog, on socialmindcenter.com, the parent connection section, I was reflecting on my parent journey and how one of the things that I have felt that has been very helpful to me as a parent is learning about brain development and brain function for me personally and understanding my needs and my behaviors, but also understanding my kids. So I wanted to start out with a story and, um, you know, we all have these moments or situations in our parent journey that make a lasting impression on us. And when my son, Nick, was in second grade, he came home and said, I'm not going to school anymore. And I was like, okay, you're not going to school anymore. He goes, yep, I'm not going to school anymore. He was a boy of few words. He was extremely compliant, content, and seemed to enjoy attending school. Well, the next morning came, and in fact, he refused to go to school. Knowing him well, I knew that he always did his best. We always, things always worked out better if we took a step back and allowed him time to process his thoughts and feelings and take a break like he would so often do. So I was like, okay, well, we'll miss one day of school. This way he can communicate to us or figure out and explain to us why he's not going to school again. Well, much to everyone's surprise, um, the next day came and next day came and he really was not going to go back to school. And so we had discussed it with the therapist and we said to his therapist, what do you think that we should do and how should we handle this? And they're like, well, I think the best thing to do is just take a step back and let's figure out why is it that he is not wanting to go back to school and what is the struggle. His teachers um, and school could not have been more supportive. They were horrified and kept thinking it was something they may have done. The amount of stress that this caused us, it's like for my husband and I, John and I, it was just so painful and we felt helpless and the waiting seemed like an eternity. I mean, as I'm recalling this for this um, podcast, I was thinking it was a week, but it could have been two weeks before we got him back to school. After a whole full week, 
Nick finally says, I cannot go back to school because I cannot write. So I cannot go to school. Nick's always been a very concrete thinker. And with autism, your perspective on uh, taking is, is a little bit challenging. So in his mind, he could not write. So there was no point in continuing to attend school. This made perfect sense in his mind. In essence, it was one solution, eliminate the problem, which was school. After he made that statement, I knew that it was going to be a process to explain to him that writing is an evolving skill. And for some kids, it takes longer than others. In fact, that is the lesson here. If we're going to look at this from uh, addressing our children's needs, Learning is a process, and some of us take a, little, a bit longer than others to acquire certain skills. And the current academic demands allow very little room for changing or different paces. So since Nick started attending Bethany Christian School, I always shared with them that Nick would remain at the school as long as it was a place where his needs could be met and he could thrive. I had no expectation of the school having to adjust to his needs. As a small private school, I knew they did not have the resources or the tools to deal with complex learning differences. In fact, the headmaster, Sam, always laughed at me and said, what are you talking about? Nick's going to be here till he graduates. I took it one year at a time because there were so many things that he just did differently. I always evaluated schools by how they were a fit for my children versus my child fitting into the school. There are amazing schools out there that have amazing program. I always share this with all my parents, but the question is not whether the school is amazing. The question is, is it amazing for your child? So needless to say, they worked with me and we agreed on some accommodations and adjustments to his writing curriculum. We agreed that he would start his writing assignments in class and then he would have extra time to complete the writing assignments at home. His language skill gaps required more time and instruction. We would write at home several times a week and also would focus on creative writing about things he could see and actually um, touch. For example, I remember writing a short essay about the oak trees in front of my house. And I remember sitting out in the steps of my house and there's these gigantic oak trees and just discussing all the qualities of these oak trees, right? This was a moment in my life where I realized that my son needed me to advocate for him till he could advocate for himself. But then it brought me to how will he advocate for himself? His learning style required that he would be allowed the time that he needs to better develop his skills. And through encouraging open communication, he is now empowered to advocate for himself and explain how language processing and expressing himself was a challenging skill for him. And he could acknowledge his progress, although prog frustrating and slow at times, um, there's always progress. He's always had progress. But we always talked about, you just have difficulty writing. It's not a skill that comes easy to you. However, it's a skill that you will acquire with time. It's just going to be a little more challenging for you. I think honesty takes us a long way with our kids um, and just the transparency of it. 
I always have seen him as a turtle that perseveres and arrives at his pace. I acknowledged and respected and protected his pace and process. I have always advocated with him and shown him to share his needs with his teachers. His authenticity and transparency has always been surprising to his teachers, but they have always been so receptive and supportive of it because of his willing to share his needs and his authenticity doing so and admitting his weaknesses. They have always worked with him and see his commitment to the process and his consistent incremental progress. Um, today, my son is a junior in high school and in honors English. He's still struggling with his writing. However, he's always asking for help and guidance. By doing so, he is able to make progress and complete the task at hand. So this story brings me to sharing with you how I identified my son's needs for this situation. And I helped him to meet those needs so that he could be successful and return to school and seek the help that he needed. So the story I feel always models for you a strategy or a process that I use to help my children develop the social emotional skills that they need. It also I also share in the Different Skill Notebook my process with all my clients. I haven't mentioned this in the Different Skill Notebook, assuming that a lot of people know that I own a center and the center teaches social competency. And I have the privilege of talking to now thousands of people who have children that have a social emotional skill weakness or deficit. Not all of my kids at the center have autism or ADHD. Some of them have anxiety, but overall they have a weakness in social emotional skill set. So I have the privilege of talking to parents every day and the different skill notebook has given me like a framework because I see a pattern of parents needing certain information continuously and repetitively. So this brings me to my strategy because we have been talking about promoting self-awareness of needs and the language and the words to identify those needs. So we want our children to know themselves and their needs, but we have to give them the language to express those needs. So we have to give them the words. And I think an easy starting point is, you know, when we talk about the body, the brain and the heart. And for younger children, you can focus on more physical and concrete aspects of our bodies and minds, especially when we want younger kids to have body awareness and keep their body um, still when they're in circle time. Um, there's also fun ways to describe our brains. I think for older kids, my kids are teenagers now, and we always talk about the brain as a computer uh, that needs shutting down and rebooting. We always talk about the influence of social media or constantly being plugged into technology and how that influences our brains and our stress level and how sometimes we need to shut that off. So I think it's important to get to know your body and your child's body and how their body works, how their mind works, and how their emotions work. So I think the heart can be synonymous to emotions because we tend to feel things in our chest 
And I think some children feel very deeply. Some children have sensory issues. And that means that the way they take information from their environment can be mixed up sometimes. So they have mixed signals and we have to help clarify for them. So I think it's important to have body, mind, soul, and heart awareness and share that with our children and teach them to seek out how does their body work, getting to know their body, mind, and heart, and how can they help themselves, right? But it's important to give them the right words for their emotions, for how their body functions, for their development, right? Like when they're in middle school, I think it's important to discuss puberty. So many kids go to puberty early, their body changes, it impacts them. How is that going to impact their emotions? And how is that going to impact their behavior? And I think when they get advanced notice, they do better. Um, Another strategy that I think is important is know what you need to fulfill those needs. You want to teach your child to know what they can do to fulfill those needs using positive, encouraging, and specific language to identify and categorize these smart choices of self-care. So two words that we use in our home all the time, and I think they can encompass so much, that's healthy, unhealthy. We use healthy and unhealthy to label everything in our home and our lives. And it's less judgmental and condemning to say that it's an unhealthy choice. We all make unhealthy choices, However, we want to encourage each other to make more healthy choices. And that requires education and it requires letting our kids know what healthy choices are if we want them to make those choices. Healthy and unhealthy can apply to more than just food. It can apply to friendships. It can apply to activities, extracurricular activities. Like I'm glad that my son transitioned from playing video games to working out. It's a much healthier activity than video games. Is video games bad? No, it's not. But identifying for our kids that too much screen time is unhealthy and finding a balance with going outdoors and exercising and having movement in our life is better for our brain. Another two words that we use are strengths and weaknesses to identify those areas in our life that we need to work on because it is not our weaknesses that defeat us. It's our inability to face them that can overcome us. So knowing our, our weaknesses as well as our strengths are so important. We never want to think that our child is a sum of their weaknesses, you know, and we also want to know that all flowers don't bloom at the same time, that some kids need more time to learn, right? But if we tell our child, our children, this is not an area of strength for you. So it is something that you're going to have to work harder at but then you have areas that you have strengths in and those things you don't have to work hard at. So it's a balance, right? So maybe for our kids, it's hard to make friends. So you're going to have to work harder because we want our children to be motivated to work harder in those areas that are difficult for them. We don't want them to be afraid of it because we want them to know that they can overcome these weaknesses. They can manage them. And sometimes they have to learn to cope with them. For example, anxiety. If your child is wired for anxiety, they need to learn coping skills to manage that weakness, right? We want to differentiate for them in language need and want because there are big differences between a need and a want. They may want certain things. They don't need them, right? Especially in the area of self-advocacy, right? We want to make sure that they know that when you're asking somebody for help, you're asking them for help for their need. Um, Not that you can't ask help 
for something you want. But in this specific instant, when we're talking about self-advocacy for our children to address their needs, we're not focusing on wants, right? And then calm and chaos, I think are so important. Two words to learn because we want our children to strive to have calm in their life. And I think that now in the era of social media, um, that we have so many of information overload through all the different technological means that we have access to and our children have access to. It's so important to teach them how do they reach calm? Why do they need to reach calm? What What is chaos and why do we want to avoid chaos? Because it's unhealthy, right? It's an unhealthy scenario. We want to also teach them the two words, clarify and confuse, right? A system in identifying individuals that clarify versus confuse situations for them. Differentiate clarity and confusion by labeling scenarios that present themselves and say, this is, this is a situation where this teacher or this friend clarified for you the situation, didn't confuse the situation. This was a social setting that you went to that was quite chaotic. And this is a social setting that is very calm and enjoyable for you, right? So they start to differentiate between healthy and unhealthy environments as well. So so now I want to tell you a little bit before I close on how you can build through these strategies, build these skills. Well, we want to lay we want to model for our kids. Modeling is probably the most powerful parenting tool that we can have is identifying to them communicating your needs and showing them how you seek assistance, right? Creating a supportive and encouraging environment for your child to build the self-confidence and assertiveness to ask for help or guidance. You can show them how you ask for guidance, how you're trying to learn about new needs in your life. I'm recently sharing with my kids a lot about the anxiety that I have in my life and how I'm coping with that and who's assisting me with it. How am I getting help for this? What am I doing with this? There's a level of transparency and authenticity that can help them with, oh, mom deals with this like this. Mom knows how to deal with these problems. My husband shares with them the stresses that he has at work and how he copes with that, right? So encourage and model asking questions, the who, what, where, when, and why right? And how? Encourage investigation to learn about themselves, their body, to seek assistance. Who can assist you in figuring things out when you don't know what you're dealing with? Identify tools and resources where you can both learn more about your bodies and how they work. Practice asking for help and or additional information. Ask your child for help. Make sure that they see you asking a teacher for help, asking someone else for help. Model these behaviors for your child all the time, as often as you can. And lastly, I'd like to close with, because I think we need more of this during COVID time, model playing rest and leisure time. I think due to COVID, we all have to accept that probably a lot of the goals that we had set for this year are not may not get accomplished and it's outside of our control, right? So we have to edit our expectations. But during this time where we're all dealing with all the different effects of COVID, whether your family has had illness, whether you have had a loss or school, the home learning environment has been a catastrophe for you. We've all been impacted in so many ways. So model playing rest and leisure time. Enjoy being present with your kids. Um, 
my family is a nature and exploring a nature exploring family and i find nature to be very soothing allow although um our carpooling and driving together days are always were always times where we shared and unpacked our days and our stresses I think leisure time is a time where your kids can connect with you, but also it's an opportunity for them to share about themselves, right? So you definitely want to provide those times, especially now where the stress levels are so high and just come to an understanding that productivity may not be that high. And that if you keep striving to continue productivity at the level that we had prior to COVID, you're just going to find yourself in an unhealthy mindset. So I hope this was helpful. You can find um, my articles that mimic the podcast on our website, socialmindcenter.com. You can also find other different articles on other different topics. Uh, Coming up next, I'm going to talk more. It'll be more like a Dear Abby session. I want to share with you guys some conversations that I have with clients that are very helpful and specifically share with you the profile of a child and how we've helped the families cope with these child's challenges and perhaps some of the challenges that these different families and these different profiles of children have encountered may be helpful to you. So my next session will cover a conversation that I had with a mom where she sought my help and I was able to guide her on what the next steps are for her family and her child. So you can reach me on my website, www.socialmindcenter.com, and you can just press the consult button if you'd like to speak to me. Uh, Believe it or not, I respond to all the phone calls at the center. We do our best to contact all our families and provide them immediate information as soon as we can. And you can uh, schedule a consult for as long as you need it to be on our website. So again, www.socialmindcenter.com. And thank you for listening.